Hello and welcome back to the ITC podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be discussing digital disruption. Are you being disrupted or are you the disruptor? First of all, what is digital disruption or what is disruption at all? According to Harvard professor Clayton Christensen, disruptive innovation is where new markets are made by existing technologies in different ways, leveraging new technologies or creating new business models. He also believes that innovation occurs when a company with fewer resources targets a larger company's customer bases, but the lower ranked customers of this base. Often an existing company who is well established in their market will overlook low ranking customers, whilst creating premium products catering to the high ranking customers. Whereas another company can come along and target the neglected customer base with a new offer which has low costs or appeals to this lower end customer bases. And this is them now targeting that customer basis and bringing them into their own company as their own customers, allowing them to then expand and grow, and then eventually targeting company A's premium customer base. The prime example of disruption or disruptive innovation can be found in the form of daily life in the PC, personal computer. Originally only large and powerful companies owned mini computers. And back when PCs started out, they were very low power and not very useful for anyone that had a mini computer already. But it opened up a new target audience, starting off with the lower end customers who were brand new users to computers. And then ultimately growing into this massive sensation which ended up targeting every customer, every client base as technology advanced and the computers became a lot stronger and faster. That is a prime example of where something starts out as more of a fad or a side project, as a PC is only a smaller, less powerful version of a mini-computer, but in turn has ended up taking mini-computers off the market and totally destroying an industry. Now, why did the PC actually disrupt? Well, if you already had a mini PC, you are a powerful company. You don't really look at the cheaper sort of stuff or the things which don't seem as... They don't seem to make the business model grow. Whereas the PC was an affordable, cheap option for home computing or business computing, not just for companies, but for normal clients and customers. And once more and more people were adapting to this change and buying personal computers, the mini computer market started to fall. As businesses started to see this as an opportunity, it was the processing power of the computer started to get stronger. Going from a couple megahertz to easily 32 gigabytes of RAM now. And again, for storage and data control. PCs used to contain floppy disks and very slow end and low quality and just low quantity memory. And now we can get up to 16 gigabytes, and, or 16 gigabytes, 16 terabyte hard drives. And these 16 terabytes are, again, pretty small and easily filled these days. 
So it's only a matter of time before this PC gets disrupted again. But not quite by another PC market, more by the components. We see this every year in the form of graphics cards, or every couple of years for graphics cards, for example. NVIDIA and AMD constantly trying to battle it out, saying we have the best graphics card. The time comes along, and AMD will release a new graphics card, and it's, it's better than the last generation, but not quite great. And NVIDIA will do the same thing for a year or two. But then a couple of years later, NVIDIA came out with the RTX, the most powerful graphics cards on the market. And AMD saw this as an opportunity, and they're striking back. It's a similar sort of thing with processing power, like uh, CPUs. People will create a new demand, and there will always be a new demand for higher-end products. The good thing that NVIDIA did, which kind of disrupted the entire graphics card market for a while, was the fact that the graphics cards that they designed, which are the most powerful graphics cards seen to date, were affordable. They were affordable not just by businesses or companies, but to general users, to gamers. Someone who doesn't have a great deal of money can still get this amazing graphics card and outperform all the other people. This is a great example, just a small example of disruption. So, in essence, Disruption is where a company or a whole industry has been shaken up by a new technology or a business model. Disruption is nothing new. We can see examples of disruption all throughout history. An example would be the rise of the printing press. As it became more easily available to get a printing press, it then kind of put scribes out of the job and totally destroyed the scribing industry as printing presses were cheaper to run, easier to run, required less information on how to use them in general education levels at all. And it was a lot more efficient and a lot quicker to use a printing press than to have a scribe write everything. Another way you can measure disruption would be a simple metric of how long did it take this company to reach $1 billion profit? Alongside the time aspect, we can see that over 75 years, the telephones, landlines, took 75 years to reach 100 million users, where only 15 years was taken for a mobile phone to reach 100 million users. And in the same line, it only took the internet eight years to reach 100 million. Facebook took five. Candy Crush only took two years to reach 100 million users. Now, it might not be quite disruptive, but it is a great sign that this company has come a long way very quickly and has not necessarily become a disruption, but has disrupted things over time. When we think of disruption, we think more of an immediate change, something that's happened very quickly. You can kind of see the rise of disruption especially you can definitely see the fall of disruption. There's a arc graphic, or a, a table, where you can see the profit margin of company A versus company B. And company A starts off with a small incline, and then dramatically has a large incline, but starts to level out on its profit margin. And where company B comes along, 
it will start off with a much slower incline, much slower incline. And when it finally meets up with company A's profit margin, and they pass by, you can see company A's profit margin dive and profit, uh, company B's profit margin skyrocket. That is the easiest, simplest way of seeing disruption on pen and paper. What is an example of something that had potential to be a disruptive technology, but didn't quite achieve that? Well, there's two main examples of this in the form of Tesla and Uber. Tesla is an electronic vehicle company, for anyone that didn't know that, which I highly doubt. Tesla is very well known. And it's hard to believe that Tesla wasn't quite disruptive, considering they came out of nowhere and marketed this amazing electric car. They're not just one electric car now, they have a whole range of electric vehicles. Now, the issue that Tesla had is they only marketed to the high markets, to the higher ranking customers. People with lots of money that had disposable income and were happy to spend hundreds of thousands on a vehicle. This really shut out the lower end marketing customers, low ranking customers, or just general people that didn't have quite that money. This did shut out quite a large amount of clients, a large amount of customers. But had Elon and Tesla market their vehicles towards lower ending customers and lower ranking customers, it would have made a massive disruption because the car industry would have looked at this and just been in shock and awe. This company that's come out of nowhere has totally destroyed and overruled the car industry by creating a new affordable electric car. But that is one way Tesla can be disrupted. If another company was to come along and create an affordable electric car which meets the demand and rivals Tesla's vehicles, Tesla could easily be knocked off the pedestal. In a similar sort of style, Uber. Uber falls under the category of ride-sharing alongside Lyft. Now, both Lyft and Uber have all but replaced the taxi industry in most countries. But they still do not classify as a disruption, as again, they initially targeted higher-end customers and higher-ranking customers. When Uber originally started off, it was a premium car service, a premium ride-share, using exclusive and exotic cars, high-end cars, sports cars, executive cars. And this wasn't an affordable option for the lower-end customer market. So they didn't quite reach their goal of becoming a disruptive company, but they did make a fortune and they have become a very successful business. But again, along the same lines with Tesla, it is not too hard to then knock Uber off its pedestal. All you need to do is create a ride-sharing solution which caters and tailors to not only just the high-end market, but majority of the low-end market creating a much more affordable service would gain you much, much more customer bases. And this would not quite disrupt Uber, but if done correctly, it could take Uber down a couple of pegs. And once you've gained the enough lower-end market customers, which Uber have neglected, you can target Uber's premium customers. And this would really disrupt Uber. So how do you become a disruptive brand? Well, it's both a simple and complex question. 
In order to become a disruptive brand, it will first need to conduct your, your research in your industry and find the demand that you can use to begin targeting the lower-ranking customers of your competitors. But also remember to look after your own lower-ranking customers as to prevent someone else disrupting you. And there it is. It's both a simple and yet complicated question. To become a disruption, it takes time. And you will have plenty of competition attempting to do the same disruption as you are. What are some potential future disruptors? Well, after some quick research, I could find that 3D printing and online education are both very real contenders for disruption. And currently, 3D printers can be purchased for a few hundred pounds for a decent quality printer. Whereas only a few years ago, for the exact same quality of printer, you were expecting to pay a 2,000 to 8,000 pounds. And if you wanted a high-end printer, well, that's going to set you back quite a lot more. Now, the reason that the price has dropped is not because demand has lowered, but mainly because technology has advanced and gathering the materials to create 3D printers and to actually put them together and program them is becoming a lot cheaper and easier. This is a similar sort of thing that happened with PCs and mini computers. PCs started off very low power, not very cognitive, but they did gain over time, technology boosts and computer processing power, things like this, which managed to improve enough that made customers want to buy more. And we can see this happening now with 3D printers. They're becoming cheaper and they're becoming stronger and faster and more readily available. And people are starting to buy them more as a hobby or more of a, an interest in it rather than actual proper use, but people will find a use for technology. There's very few technologies which become redundant just because people couldn't figure out how to use it. And 3D printing is absolutely no exception. Along the same sort of lines, online education has come a long way ever since it appeared online. The learning quality is still only a fraction of real classrooms. But it shows great signs of competing against colleges and universities as an affordable option of education. A great example of where the online education sector shines is with Google Squared and Google Digital Garage. Google Digital Garage currently offers 125 courses on a range of digital and technical subjects. And it is a great way to start learning about the desired topic or even just to pick up some new information. Now, here is a challenge for everyone that's listening. Go do some research. Find out what is a potential disruptor in your industry or your sector, or even just within your company. Come up with a way of countering it or preventing it. Or even do one better and become, come up with a way of disrupting that entirely. Also, always make sure to retarget your low-ranking customers as to prevent other companies from undermining your customer base. Well, that's all we have time for on this episode of the podcast. If you have any questions or if you'd like to mention anything on the podcast, use hashtag ITCOfficial on either Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, uh, Reddit, Pinterest, anything you can get your hands on Instagram. Give us a mention and we'll get to your questions and we'll see if we can answer them on, uh, on live. Thank you very much for listening. I have been your host, Thomas Clark, and goodbye. <laughs>